I used to go to weddings or birthdays and and housewarmings and have my camera and be like, no, 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 I'm shooting this for you. It's for, like, I want to have those beautiful moments captured. But you're an outsider if you're doing that. Like, you are working, essentially. You are, you are giving them something. That is a beautiful gift. But at the same time, like, there are times when your friendship and your presence and your, like, full presence of mind is actually the better gift of the two. And so, like... I've learned to put the camera away and not bring it to certain things. Welcome back to another episode of the Curative Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Sutarji, and my guest today is Steph Gray. Also known as Finn, Steph is a Bay Area artist focusing on digital composites, stippling, photography, and more. In this episode, we talk about how there are multiple ways to approach your artwork, taking time off to recharge, and being more present around your loved ones. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Before we get to the episode, I just wanted to say thank you for everyone who is watching the podcast on YouTube and listening to the episodes on all the podcast apps. There are many other ways to support the podcast. A few are to rate and write a review on iTunes. If you got value from the episode, you can share it with a friend and you can email me at hello at kevinsutarji.com and tell me your story about which episode resonated with you. Also, when I announce my guest for the episode on Instagram and ask for questions, you can DM me your question for my guest. Lastly, you can subscribe and be part of the notification squad by opting in on getting notified on YouTube or any podcast app whenever a new episode is released. Thank you and enjoy the show. So thank you, Seth, for coming to my podcast. Thank you for having me. Looking at your art on Instagram, I've been like amazed at what you've done. And I saw your behind the scenes. You just tagged me recently on one of the posts of the, your behind the scenes. And I loved it. Like, you're really talented. Thank you. They take me a long time. <laughs> and uh, I thought it was really nice a couple of weeks ago when I posted a story. I'm not used to posting stories. They're new and asking people if they were interested in hearing about the process oh, yeah. and hearing how many people you for one of them who would reach out and say like, yes, please show. It felt very connective and intimate in a new way of like sharing art rather than just making and producing and putting out there instead being like, be involved and see how much effort it takes really. Yeah. I think when you, people look at art or even look at food, right? They don't know how much work is put into that, how much love is put into it, time and effort. And people actually value it a lot more when they see that behind the scenes. Right. So yeah. I, that's what I, I want to do more with actually my videos. I want to talk more about what's going on. What does it take to say, build a promo video or do the podcast or right. something like that? Yeah. So um, yeah, I'm glad that you're doing the behind the scenes stuff. You're, you're going to have to teach me how to do videos for it because I could do a little, <laughs> use a lot of educating on that. Well, you're already doing like a lot of time lapses and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Th that's already really good. Thanks. Like it's, it's just cool just to see you do everything yeah. like on Photoshop. And do you use any other Adobe? Yeah. Usually I port it over to Lightroom afterwards and do some additional editing in that. There's, it's just like multiple program bouncing around. So right. starts in Photoshop, ends up who knows where. It's yeah. always like lots of happy little accidents that happen in different programs yeah yeah actually before you continue on for the audience that don't know you uh why don't you explain about who you are what you do and kind of like what kind of art that you do sure um my name is steph um my artist name is finn there's actually some people in the world who know me only as finn oh cool um there's a whole lot of a lot of backstory behind why i ended up choosing finn um but so my artist name is exo finn 
Um, I do ink illustrations, um, which is sort of a new thing. It's a practical way of sort of stippling and using all these very intentional dot work and form and shade and color. Um, I do uh, photo editing. So they're photo composites. It's a lot of like digital mashups of different um, photos, usually 18 to 30 at a time. And it's a lot of like magical dreamlike sort of my way of daydreaming and color and vision. And what is the process of that? Um, so I just started in a photo studio recently. Okay. So it's um, consistent lighting, different objects, and a lot of like random dreaming from like shooting and then editing out hands holding things in glassware and um, coming up with lots of floating objects. And Right, right. Okay. Right. Yeah, I've seen that on Instagram. Yeah. Cool. And then the for the dot art... Because I've seen you do it for um, on Instagram as mm-hmm. well as the ones that you displayed in that one shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, where was that? Eskeleto in, in Temescal. Yeah. Yeah, and and it looked like it was a lot. It took a lot of time to mm-hmm. do it. Like, how long does it take to make one Ooh. artwork in dots? Uh, one of the stippling pieces are it can take between ninety minutes if I'm just kind of in a quick flow getting a moleskin piece done. Okay. And for something bigger like that bear, it can take me three or four hours and it's just sitting meditating a lot of times oh so actually I had an interesting interesting conversation with a coworker coworker a couple of months ago um and I had never thought of it this way so that it can take me hours and hours and hours Mm -hmm. and she asked me about my art and how long it took and I was like I don't know hours and hours and hours and she's like wow that's amazing and I'm like I don't know I just disappear into the into like the paper and that's all I work on and she's like do you meditate and I'm like no I don't have time for that. She's like, well, you do meditate. What you're doing in like making that art and drawing those pieces and focusing on like shape first and then filling in detail and like making fur is something that you even have to pay attention to like the directionality of the fur. Because if you like do it in the wrong way, it'll make it look like the animal is ruffled. But if you do it in the right way, then it'll look regal. So it it was really interesting because she framed it. She actually like took my thoughts about my own process and then reframed it and was like, you are meditating. You are quieting whatever it is that's going on in your mind. And instead just focusing on that form for hours. And I'm like, "Hmm, neat. I am calm sometimes. Yeah, that's interesting. So do you ever use that as a sort of escape or a a way to just calm yourself after a busy day or anything like that? Yeah, I think, um, so art for me, um, a lot of the origins were sort of like self-expression and self-soothing and self, like, um, just kind of using it as a way to dream a little bit. But yeah, so it's a way of being calm and intentional and meticulous. Yeah, and whenever you do an artwork, do you sit and finish it completely, or do you sometimes spread it out into multiple days, weeks? Unfortunately for my sleep, I pretty much do it all consistently. Um, I really don't like leaving things undone, so a lot of times I'll stay up all night just working on something. Um, (laughs) It's really hard for me to like leave it and anything unfinished, so oftentimes I'll be sleepless, but I'll get it nearer to completion. Yeah, I haven't done an all-nighter since college, so I can't imagine how <laughs> how to do that now. It's not a great idea. <laughs> but I think it's really cool that you're really into your art because, yeah. um, you know, for me, I've stayed up until maybe 2 or 3 a.m. Sure. just working on videos, and partly it's because I'm, like, behind or on a deadline or something. Yeah. But I think, you know, if you're so into your work and you're just focused on it and time just passes by, right. it, it really shows that you really enjoy it. I love doing it. Um 
there have been moments in my life where I've dealt with a lot of um, difficulty in understanding what my purpose is or like what I'm contributing to the world. Mm-hmm. But when I make art, there's not really that question for me. If I'm if I'm illustrating something that's, for instance, I just did an illustration of two bees. Mm-hmm. And that came from a friend of mine who um, I adore. She hosted me at her house. She showed me love when I was having some harder moments and she loves bees. So she just mentioned one time, Hey, if you ever do bees, let me know. And so doing that intentionally and spending those hours and hours and hours doing that, making that thing and then waking up in the morning, it wasn't a question of my purpose. I was like so delighted to be able to surprise someone else with something that they had mentioned offhand and something that I had spent my entire evening losing sleep working on and like caring about what the end product was. It gave me purpose and it gave her happiness. And those things put together was just like, sleep is irrelevant when that's the output. Okay. I, I think that um, whenever people get gifts like that, it's, it's very thoughtful because, uh, you know, like maybe you mention it in passing or something like that and you get a gift that's like an amazing artwork and right. it's, it's just about something that they'll cherish for, for a very long time yeah. because, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a gift from a friend and I, I would love that. Yeah, yeah, that's, totally. That's cool. Uh, bef- before you uh, started doing like the dot, dot, sorry, what is the dot art it's called? It's like stippling. Stippling. Yeah. Okay. Um, before you did uh, that, as well as like all the photography, what were you into before, and like how did you get into your whole art career, basically? Sure. Uh, okay, I'll answer that stepwise. Oh yeah, definitely. So um, I was thinking about this, how I got into art. Um, when I was tiny, my mom had this giant green box in our house and it had pipe cleaners and glitter and pens. And my mom is very um, rigid in some ways. She's very meticulous. She trained me to study. She trained me to work hard, but there was this green box of like magic essentially, or Mm. like magic that could happen. And so she encouraged me partially out of this theory of like, never be bored because bore, being bored is boring. Mm-hmm. So she, so that box was her way of being like, don't watch TV and don't be boring and do something. Right. And so um, I always would dig through that and work on things. And at some point, my dad used to travel for work when I was a kid. And so I would use that box as my language to tell him that I missed him. Like he would come back and I would have some elaborate sign that would fall down at like the bat of a moth's wing. It was like Mm -hmm. the most precarious, least well thought out thing that I could have (laughs) put up, but it would say like, welcome home dad or something like that. Sure. So that was my first way of like using art or like creativity to put something together that would express my feelings for my dad or for my mom. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly I was not a tiny kid anymore. I was in middle school in, um, science class, uh, drawing microbes and like showing microbes how much I cared about them in these projects that I was like trying to learn the thing and, and learn biology. And, mm-hmm. and then suddenly I was in high school, um, studying English, doing a poetry project and like using illustrations to deepen my feelings that I was trying to express with words. And then in college fell in love and was trying to like show someone how much I loved and needed that partnership and needed that person to be in my life. Right. And got very lucky when I started my job 
because I had all this training to make things, to speak and to show what I care about. Um, and someone in my job, when I first started, I don't know how he did this, but I was going crazy. I hated my job. I didn't mm -hmm. feel a purpose in it. I didn't know why I was there. It was not creative. It was literally data entry, okay. <laughs> putting SKUs into a computer. And he looked at me and went, you look like you're going crazy. You should try Photoshop. I have no idea how he connected those two things. So he, with his tech capacity, gave me Photoshop and basically connected all my training to express my love and um, partnership and friendship and channeled it into Photoshop. Okay. And did you take photos before you started Photoshop? Yes. So okay. I had learned to shoot um, film back in high school and also was in love with the darkroom. Bit of a romantic. Mm -hmm. I am. I know this. Um, so I would shoot and develop. And that was a way I forged a lot of my friendship in high school. And I was a very awkward kid. And so I would just have friends. We would troll around our tiny suburb mm -hmm. and shoot black and white film and think we were poets and what we were producing we weren't but it made a habit of it sure um and so finally i had photoshop in my hands bought myself a shitty tablet and just um forsook all uh socializing mm -hmm. and basically drew every day after work for four to six hours every day i would go home and just draw and draw and draw and draw um really shitty things at first and over time that's how we always start right? exactly yeah. <laughs> right and then over time it just got more elaborate and more elaborate and like something developed where suddenly um i was still expressing love but it wasn't like directional anymore it wasn't like it wasn't towards other people right it right. was more for myself and for connectivity and for like existence i guess so it was all trained to express like, love or compassion or complexity. Yeah, actually, I was going to ask as a follow-up, like, it sounded like initially when you were young, you were making art for your parents and yeah. for your friends and for, you know, your loved ones. Right. Um, it seemed that you were going towards that path of just making art for other people. Right. But, so that shift, making art for yourself, like, how has that changed the way you see art? And how does that, does it change how you do art as well? It does. It actually adds sort of a cadence of calm to it that I may not always have um, in the nature of the work itself or production of art or production of pieces. I think a lot of times I'll get in my head and be like, must make more things, must make like produce a show or produce it. And so the calmness comes when I'm reminded of the calm point that it's not for a gallery it's not for those things it's it's literally just practice it's literally just putting out things that you think are beautiful that please you and please others and then as you do that if a thing happens somewhere in the future that's great and if it doesn't mm -hmm. then what you're achieving is waking up every morning and seeing something that you made the last night that makes you like joyous to get out of bed and like ready to do the next day right I think that a lot of artists and a lot of people that are creating content they are trying to make it so say like videos they're trying to make it for youtube photos for instagram and all of that yeah. but it seems that you're just creating it for yourself and even though you're posting on instagram like i'm sure it seems that you're you're just doing it just to share 
but um yeah I, I never really thought about that because for me i've been creating content for a client or for, you know even for this podcast i'm trying to help people learn life lessons from all my guests or anything like that yeah. uh, no pressure to get anything from you but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah i'm trying to have people learn as much as they can from my guests because what i'm learning from them might help other people right. and so i am creating content for other people for mm -hmm. a certain audience but i don't know if i've really really created something for myself well i think so in the episodes that you've put out there's like a kindness in them like between you and the artist that's sitting across the table from you or artists mm -hmm. and um i don't think it i think parsing apart whether you're doing something for yourself or someone else mm -hmm. if you're kinder to yourself then you are doing things that are a mixed bag whenever you do anything so um there's this in college i studied psychology and medieval history sort of by mistake but i loved it it was the best that sounds cool actually it it's was, an interesting combination yes it was an accident at first i was studying um psychology and business because i was actually interested in psychology mm -hmm. and business was a way of like quelling my parents and being uh, like this will be a useful career right right <laughs> and at some point i decided i couldn't do business but i was a little too late to switch over to english which is what i really wanted to do the whole time mm -hmm. so instead i found a contingency of people at the university who were as well read as english majors but nerdier and like mm. much more um like based in legends and mythologies yeah and, yeah, and sure. so I couldn't help but like go towards them. So I ended up doing psychology and medieval history. And there's actually so much overlap between those two things. And that's one of the things that informs my art all the time. I would say my first love in life was mythology. Mm -hmm. um, that was in high school and then it came back in college and now it's in my music and my art and everything I experience. Um, so how do you apply that to your art then? Right. So, oh, yes. So there's this theory, first off, um, I'll get to mythology in a moment, in medieval history of Troutha and Routha. So okay. it's this um, couplet at the end of this poem that's thousands and thousands and thousands of lines long. And it's about a knight whose wife has died and a poet who can't understand that. And for the, this whole thousands of lines poem, one of them is going, I've lost more than you can understand. And the other one is going... I don't get it. What have you lost? And they can't understand each other until this very last couplet where the knight says, my wife has died. And the poet is like, that fucking sucks. And mm -hmm. like, they finally have a moment of understanding each other. And it's called Troutha and Routha because Troutha is the ability to tell truth and Routha is the ability to empathize. Okay. And so without having those two things, humans will always miss each other, right? So I feel like that's how it works in art. Um, I apply that theory in... Like when you share, it has to be true to some extent. It can mm -hmm. be a mythology if you want, but there has to be like a truth that the other person has be, has to be willing to like turn their key of empathy at the same time as you. Um, and I think that, so there's two ways I think about this. As far as how that goes to applying art and like being an artist among other artists, mm -hmm. first off, art is like being vulnerable. And oh, I agree with that for sure. hundred percent. It's like putting things out there that someone could very easily be like, what is this video? What yes. did you just make? Exactly. Like, why? And so that's like an inability to be empathetic. 
you're saying something that's true. I care about making this thing. And the other person is like unwilling, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's a miss. So a way that I feel I'm trying to be a kinder artist is to encourage everybody that vulnerability is being an artist, right? So Mm -hmm. you can be vulnerable if you're cooking for your friends. They could be like, this is too salty. And Mm -hmm. you're like, no, but I made something that like I care about and I wanted you to experience it. Right. And so as I like meet more people, it's like my goal nowadays, people will be like, I love this art. How did you do that? And I'm like, well, training and practice and meticulousness. And then it's easy to turn around and be like, what do you do? Like, what's Mm -hmm. the thing that you do that you care about? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people would be like, I can't draw. And I'm like, that's not what I'm asking. Right. I, first off, I couldn't draw at first either. Mm-hmm. And secondly, I'm asking like, what do you put out there that's vulnerable? And people actually have really wonderful answers. Some people are like, I shoot photography or I used to. Right. And then you're like, what happened? I had kids. And you're like, I get that. But you have that art in you. You have that vulnerability. You have that sharing. And you can do that. And then other people can under- understand you and have empathy in a way that you're matching courage to humanity through art. So I always think about that when I share art. And then on a very practical sense, the way that I apply medieval history to my art is I just steal mythology. I love mythology. So like, I love legends. I love everything that's like, I just read this book called um, The History of the Color Black. Oh, it's so cool. It's like, there's this whole chapter about like the Greek gods and Mm -hmm. Nyx and this like, um, this, uh, deity that's like half black and half white and like the symbolism between the two. And so like, I'll read those things and then I just want to make something that's legendary, like in my own right. So then a lot of like the daydreams that I have as, as like digital composites are basically just like my interpretations of those legends. Right. And, and how did you come up with the artwork based on the inspiration that you had from the mythology? Yeah, some of it is some of it is much more directly um, applicable. So if something has wings and fangs, it's something that I like to take into my own art and like uh-huh. do an illustration of something equally savage. I think it's more like the spirit of the mythology, mm-hmm. um, and that'll inform the type of thing that I'd like to illustrate. So I see. I mean, there's like these mythologies of creationism, and if I listen to that or read that, then it'll be something much calmer, like botany and flowers and skulls and things like that if i read something about like a destructive force and like the the norse mythologies then i'll draw like a howling baboon or something that's like Mm -hmm. really just capturing the spirit of like more violence and then sometimes more beauty okay so so it's not really going towards one direction of like calmness peace you can go any way depending on how what story kind of touches you right right exactly that's cool and when you do the work um how do you know that this is done like because when when you're doing like the composite photography and all that you're doing a lot of photoshop to kind Mm -hmm. of manipulate it um how do you know like this is going to encapsulate what you're trying to say because so i guess for me to explain a little bit more Mm -hmm. when i do video i try to tell the story by like hearing what they're trying to say during an interview or if they have like a if they're a chef or something i'm Mm -hmm. really showing the food that they really um that they're cooking and um especially their specialty foods but um i don't i don't have that i guess creativity to try to add a lot of stuff around it how do you try to make it so magical because when i see your art it's like you know things are floating things are like in, in in 
going in different directions and like i don't know like how do you know that it's it's gonna share the same message that you were inspired by um i had an interesting conversation with my brother about this at some point um about how you get basically a feel from a photo or a feel from an illustration mm-hmm. um and he and i because he's a musician i have okay. two wonderful older brothers who make much better art than i do in different formats <laughs> oh interesting so my middle brother is a, a musician and so we had an interesting conversation about the philosophy of like first focusing on the shape so the mm-hmm. overall shape of the thing is a pleasing thing right so from his perspective like putting down a beat or a track or something and then like right filling in the details from there. And for me, it's actually quite similar. So like drawing a tiger, there's very malformed tigers that are very ugly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and there's also like very true to form, very beautiful tigers. And like to find this one first is to like dot out the the shape around it to get like the right shape of the face, the right elongation of the things, whatever. Sure. Yeah. And so it, we spiraled into this long conversation about like um, overall form first and then like details after that. Um, so that's just from like a practical standpoint. And the other one is, um, do not make mistakes along the way. Like don't be lazy. That's the Mm. one thing I can thank my tiger mom for that from like my (laughs) earliest training is like, um, okay is not good enough. Like keep doing it better, be meticulous and do it right the first time. And so like, there's some sort of like the magic just comes when you sort of are correct along the way and you like force yourself to make each pen stroke be something that you mean and mm-hmm. something that feels like it's in the right direction to you. And then um, I think one of the things that really brings magic for me is like music and mm-hmm. lyrics. And so the Instagram posts are essentially um, an image that I've put all that time and effort into. Mm-hmm. And then oftentimes like a song that I've been listening to that matters to me or a road trip that I was on, or I feel like sometimes even illustrations come from the phrase first. Okay. Like there'll be times I'll be driving around and I'll have this thought of like just a random phrase that I just, it's like a kernel that I can't get out of my head. And then some, at some point I'll match like, oh, that would be a cool drawing to go with it. Mm-hmm. And so it just kind of like, back and forth it like teeter-totters and informs each other and right i do love the platform that's why i would love your education on videography because there's something so nice about having the full package of music visuals story right, right. you know everything that goes on top of that yeah actually when when you have when you start your artwork in different ways whether it's from like a phrase or mm-hmm. from essentially the foundation yeah um do you see any difference in what the end result becomes yeah it's weirder when it comes from a phrase (laughs) okay Uh, is it because it's more abstract or more abstract a lot of times if i'm if i'm starting with an image sometimes Mm -hmm. it's to self-soothe like the bees that i drew were basically like i know the format i know generally speaking what i want them to look like and they i want them to look like kind of an illustrated manuscript and then at the end i'm going to cut them into pieces and make them look a little weird on top so Mm -hmm. like sometimes the weird comes later sure but then if it's like a phrase first I'm like already in a tailspin and I'm just yeah, kind of yeah. like throwing things out from there. Okay. Yeah. I, I think in terms of like the foundation portion, I um, spoke with someone on my podcast, Danny Galvez. She was a, she's a dancer and um, she did a lot of her choreography based on foundation, mm. but she also does freestyling. So, but, but even with freestyling, she has like a, I guess an arsenal of moves, Sure. but 
when she does certain things, she sometimes thinks of, okay, how do I start with the foundation, create a choreography around that, right. and then go from there. Or she's freestyling and just like doing what she feels right, what yeah. feels right to her. And um, she incorporated like yoga into her dancing. And mm. like that's added a sort of abstraction and as a different vibe to her dance moves. And yeah. she thinks of it differently and stuff like that. So I can see now that like in art, you don't have to start in a certain way every single time. You don't always have to go with the foundation every right. single time. Yeah. You can just do something out of just one idea, one small idea, and just go from there. Yeah, absolutely. First off, I envy dancers so much. I have a friend <laughs> who is just the coolest person. She just got married. And she's the kind of person, she asked me if I would go to a hip-hop dance class with her. Mm-hmm. I'm terrible at it. It's not my art form. Uh, you should try it out, though. <laughs> I really like it. Not great at it, but I love it. But she is so intuitive. It just like the dance moves live in her bones. Right. So you can be sitting there and the song is starting and I'm going five, six, seven, eight, five, (laughs) six, seven, and trying to like remember what step. Mm -hmm. And this girl will just be like, yeah. And like throw up something additional on top of what the choreographer gave her. And I'm like, he didn't tell us to do that. That's not what you're supposed to be. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it's amazing to watch her riff off that. And Mm -hmm. I think that part of the thing with, doing art for so long I've been doing it now like intentionally for about eight or nine years and it's changed over time a lot Mm -hmm. I've I sometimes will open up files and look at the old things I've done and like the bones are starting to be there you can see it forming a little it's like cartilage at first and then bones and then well now it's like bones and flowers because it's kind of a theme okay but um it's like I'm building up muscle memory for a certain skills that Mm. now I can edit photos in a way that I had from practicing illustrating in Photoshop. I can use the Wacom tablet like a surgeon now, you know what I mean? So uh, there's a lot of practice, practice and you can riff on top of it. And then on top of that, there's just so many different ways that you can start. So at some point, rather than starting with like a pen on paper, I realized I have a lot of wine corks around, right? Mm -hmm. And so at some point, I was just like, what can I do with wine corks? Like, oh, yeah. it was a little low on, like, Mulder's clay or something. So I was like, okay, why don't I build with this instead? So I always have exacto blades around, and now I have, like, wine corks. And so mm-hmm. I started, like, carving those and pinning them together and making these weird little monsters. And at first, they were, like I said earlier, terrible. Right. And then over time, they became, like, more and more careful and more and more, like, whiskers and fangs and Mm -hmm. and like tails and suddenly i have like these little cork beings that sit in bell jars that i've like taken me two nights to carve and and like so there's just so many ways that it's just like lovely to start with anything and just Mm -hmm. see what it wants to do under whatever tools you have yeah so actually you were saying earlier that like when you start on an artwork you have to be correct uh, mm. when you when you say that do you mean like you want you have to be like intentional about where you're going towards no not even that um so the ink illustrations that i do on the moleskin papers are often not as intentional because there there are many slips of paper mm. sometimes i'll do them while i fly which is so fun to like sit in my plane seat and just like work on different pieces of paper. Okay. So a lot of those, like you can cant them when you're done, like they can tilt in different ways and it'll make different expressions with the animal because you've drawn them on different pieces of paper. Mm-hmm. So as far as connect correctness, it in my mind basically means like 
say you're in Photoshop and you have a layer with a skull on it and you mm-hmm. need to like cut it out of the background, like each stroke must form the skull to be in the most perfect way for that skull. Mm. So like it doesn't have to be a vision that you're working towards. It mm-hmm. just has to be careful. Okay. So are you pretty critical critical on yourself when you maybe mess up or you, you don't know where you're going? Yeah, that was actually one of my biggest fears about posting a process video. I didn't oh. want to see how much, I didn't want to show how much I'm like taking things back. Uh-huh. But I pretty much take back three strokes for every one stroke I go forwards. So oh, it's just like lots and lots of redoing things and and... Um, a friend of mine at some point was like, are you neurotic about this? And I was like, a little. (laughs) (laughs) So it feels orderly. It feels like tidying. Yeah, that's actually actually an interesting concept because um, the way I see it then, if you're taking three steps forward, Mm. sorry, one step forward and three steps back, Mm -hmm. is that what you said? Well, not great math, but yes. (laughs) No, well, I mean, I think what, what kind of is interesting about that is that you're going forward, you're taking a step, and then you're not afraid to go backwards right to to really define where you want to go yeah and like um some people are afraid if they take the first step they're like well i can't go back right right going back is sometimes scary right and i think um being able to want to go backwards and just say okay it's okay that i did this yeah but i'll go back and then see where i want to go and go towards that direction yeah um you're not afraid to fail essentially. right yeah and i think so i've been told that there's also these other schools of thought around like making mistakes. Mm-hmm. Some of them are, you don't take it back. You just like keep going forwards right, because something right. will come out of it. And so once in a while I'll force myself to do that as well and be like, keep going. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And just to have a theory around every piece that's like, don't abandon it. Everything that you start is like something precious and it meant something. Mm-hmm. And like, don't abandon that, that like special little winged thing that, that wants to, be something bigger or something like a finished piece sure so yeah i i think that's another way to think about it is like if you're going forward just continue on and see where it goes yeah um some people are more willing to like just go in any path without direction and maybe that's okay and that that will just create some different artwork yeah they weren't thinking of before but it becomes great right but maybe it's not your style right your question about like when you know something is finished yeah if you follow that river and it doesn't actually have like an end point yeah sometimes really beautiful things happen and sometimes you have to be like oh wait it is done don't do anything else like right right. um i started learning that with these ink illustrations some of them are done long before you think they are because like negative space is as intentional as like Mm -hmm. the illustrative space can be so like that show at um at Esqueleto was a lot of like these big canvases of white with like mm-hmm. concentrated areas that just like bled and flowed out. And yeah. a lot of times when I was making them, I would have to like put it up and stand back and be able to see like this white space is necessary. Don't continue to fur it. You know? Right, right. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's an interesting way of thinking of art. Yeah. 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 Actually, yeah. I, I was going to ask you, um, how often do you work on your art? Is it every every day, every night? It, it well, my instinct is to do it every night, but... I force myself not to because um, I don't think it's healthy really necessarily to do that because there's so many other things in the world that you have to do to be inspired and to experience things and to like be connected with other people. Otherwise, it's just ego, right? Like Mm -hmm. if all you're doing is like making art for the sake of showing that you can make art, in my mind, it's just not, it's not kind. It's not connective or empathetic. 
Mm-hmm. And so as I found in the past couple, in the past 10 years of like a renaissance in my life in which a lot of things came under question, a lot of like changes happened. Um, I found out I love traveling. I love road trips. I love going to drinks with friends. I, I finally, for the first time in my life have like a group of women friends who are like, they're so intelligent. They're so well-connected. They're so, um, generous. And Mm -hmm. so I would love to do art every night. I would love just to shoot and to invite people into the studio and to illustrate. And part of me is like, I just want to put out amazing things and keep doing that. Like all the time. Absolutely. And learn videography and learn to cross stitch and learn because there's also so many forms of art right yeah and so many different mediums to use Mm -hmm. that if i could do that all the time and just like consume and produce that would be amazing however if you do that i actually end up having more mental blocks like i have more gaps in creativity if Mm -hmm. i just continue to make art all the time Mm -hmm. whereas if i go see friends and like i think there's a spectrum of emotions right there's like happiness and grief and just all kinds of like different emotions that all of your friends are espousing at all times Mm -hmm. so the more that you go sit with those people the more you understand like i don't know this person needs bees or like i don't know this person is like their the amount that they cook for friends and make food or or this friend shares spreadsheets for before trips and having that connectivity Mm -hmm. i think actualizes the art and makes it feel like I'm honored to give that to them mm-hmm. rather than like, I'm just trying to make something that's like lasting and beautiful. And like, people will remember me for that. Instead, it's right. more like I'm making things in community. And like, this is part of my role in helping people be brave and courageous and artistic themselves. Yeah. Actually, I think just interacting with people or just even taking a break from your yeah. art is really helpful right. to last for a long time like to not burn out yeah um to think of your art in a different way yeah like i, I love traveling as well and right. sometimes i just need to go travel not even touch my camera yeah sometimes like i bring my camera but i i try to not use it you know yes. throughout my trip right how do you convince yourself not to use it because i have to do the same thing not to shoot with film and not to like produce right i i think there are two reasons or two two reasons why i don't um, shoot during my travels one is e- even if I shoot it I'm going to I'm going to push that video back yeah. and I'm not really going to work on it right um, until for a long time or at all yeah. that's one and um, I've shot so many so much footage when I travel and I just don't make a video yeah the other thing is like I feel so like I don't know if you go on YouTube a lot but there are a lot of people who make a lot of nice travel videos mm. and stuff like that but what I noticed is that I used to go travel and try to shoot these like cinematic shots yeah. with the drones and with my camera. Yeah. And I don't actually enjoy the point of interest as much as I should. Yeah. What I'm doing is looking at the point of interest mm-hmm. just through the lens. Yeah. And I don't appreciate it as much. I don't, I'm not really there for the people I'm with right. and stuff like that. And so I'm not enjoying the moment. Yes. So I think at that time I realized, okay, maybe I'll just put the camera away. Like right. they're, ton of travel videos i don't need to do that that's not my space yeah um i'm just here to enjoy myself especially when we're probably there for just a weekend or something like that right you're just Mm -hmm. visiting if if you're just visiting you have a very finite time to just enjoy it right so 
yeah i mean that's that's why i don't bring my camera out as much if i really want to do that i try to plan enough time to film and then take yes. time to enjoy it yeah i love that i'm in alignment with that too um i think one of my biggest pet peeves is uh like having a less than full attention connection with someone mm. like oh. um it's such yeah. a bother right yeah, like this is something I'm, I'm struggling with right now yeah. actually and i think um there's a way that again to say that art can be so egotistical mm-hmm. that's along the same lines to be like um i used to go to weddings or birthdays and and housewarmings and have my camera and be like no 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 i'm shooting this for you it's for like i want to have those beautiful moments captured but you're an outsider if you're doing that like mm. you are working essentially yeah. you are you are giving them something that is a beautiful gift but at the same time like there are times when your friendship and your presence and your like full presence of mind is actually the better gift of the two. And so like I've learned to put the camera away and not bring it to certain things. And everybody has their cell phones anyways. We can all take photos that are just fine for the Instagram screen on our phones. And, and you don't have to be the one to be like presenting work to them later on. Right. Right. Um, and the other thing that I learned is that it's, bit of a way to like hide your social anxiety to be like no i'm just shooting and so i'm challenging myself to be more like yes i am awkward and yes i am going to be present in that and yes i am going to do the best i can to like communicate that and be with people who accept that care about it and help you forwards yeah i actually debated um when i went to my friend's wedding it's like should i bring my camera (laughs) to shoot you know a video and just to give them as a gift right and I thought the exact same thing. Like if I'm not there, I'm not present at the wedding, yeah. like just interacting with them. Yeah. They're not going to really remember, you know, me. Right. They're, they're, they're just going to see this video. They're like, well, you're not really in it. Yeah. Actually, like my other problem that I, I'm having right now is even if I interact with friends, there are times when I'm still thinking about videos. Yeah. Like I, I, I think about the thing I need to edit that's due in two days yeah. or something like that. Have you ever ran into that issue? Yes. I actually just this morning is something that I, I woke up and it's a Sunday morning. It's a beautiful day in Berkeley in Oakland in the surrounding area. And I've got a dog and a cat. And in my mind, I was like, wake up and go to the studio. And I'm like, okay, why? It's such a beautiful day. Mm-hmm. And I have first off a dog that needs to be taken out and all this other stuff. And like, my instinct is like produce something, make something cool. You can do it. Like you have so many ideas and, and part of like the fact of a Sunday and part of the fact of a weekend is like rest. You need to like calm down a little. My dad tells me I need to chill a lot, which is new in life. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure my parents used to tell me I needed to chill. They're like hustle up. And now they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Right. Right. So yes, I do feel, um, that, that instinct to like continue making things is ever present. And part of that is good. Part of that is like, having a pace and a cadence and mm-hmm. and like but also resting and getting inspiration from other places is equally important so i ended up just spending the day today riding around and taking my dog out and playing fetch and like i don't know petting my dog in the way she deserves yeah it's i think it's like having that ability to experience connectivity yeah makes your art better when you come back to it so say you're all by yourself mm-hmm. um either even with, without your dog right yeah um and so you don't have anyone to tell you hey be present yeah like take some time to rest how do you con- how do you 
convince yourself that you need to rest and and be more present with what you're doing today or what you're going to do later I'd say that's an area for improvement okay that that's that's the same exact thing for me like no matter what I'm doing like when I'm driving to work right or when I'm just like showering or something like that like I'm thinking about my videos that's something I'm struggling with right now especially with the podcast and all that I think there is one area that I you and I can probably agree on even with what limit limited amount I know about you and it's probably music like Mm. I listen to music pretty much all the time oh yeah me too and um my friend used to ask me, do you dance when you're alone? I'm like, fuck no, I don't dance. I'm like, why would I do that? Right. <laughs> right, right. I'm not a good dancer. We've discussed this earlier. I'm yeah. not a good dancer. Yeah. However, lately I've been, so I listen to everything, so much different music. Mm-hmm. And I love that music can be just as expressive of your emotions. So lately I've been playing music and sometimes just dancing because it's like, it's so ludicrous and fun and just like, I do not think about what I'm trying to make while I'm doing that. I'm oh, not yeah. trying to like remember this. Oh, that line from that song would make a really great caption for this illustration that I have to make. Like mm-hmm. that doesn't exist anymore. I think there's something so like um, about it's like rhythmic. There's something that that's so centering about that. Mm-hmm. That and nature. I would say those two things. Okay. So I feel like that's the those two things together are the alchemy of what makes road tripping my favorite thing right because you are literally catapulting through nature blaring your music and just like feeling Mm -hmm. as you drive that freedom yeah yeah you're right I, i listen to music all the time i think music is definitely one way where i don't think about videos or anything like that like yeah. sometimes i do hear a track and i'm like oh this would be a great way to make yeah. a you know a great track to make a video mm-hmm. but a lot of times i'm just kind of dancing while right. driving or like right. just enjoying the music yeah and and that actually brings me into another world yeah like sometimes I don't think about anything else. I, I, my stress is like relieved right. at that time. I know. And, and I love it. I like, know, and, me too. and that's why I'm, I'm huge in like the music space. And, and I love talking to DJs. I love talking to like musicians who yeah. just, they, they play, you know, they play a few chords and it, something beautiful comes. Right. And I love that. That's one the, of my favorite art. Right. I guess the question then is how do musicians chill? I, <laughs> yeah. Right. I don't know. I mean, I, I do, I do know that. I mean, some some people when they do art, that's their chilling, right? Mm-hmm. Like that. So, sometimes for us is work, yeah. Maybe, but yeah. for them it might be always chill or right. the way they work with music. Because I I know that you know sometimes you're preparing for a show, mm-hmm. but there are times when you're just playing a song that you already know and you're just playing it because you enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. That that would be nice. Maybe it's sort of like experiencing other people's art. I mean, mm. I I find sometimes yeah. like getting tattoos I find is very like centering because you get to be with someone who is just a master at what they're doing and so like articulate and particular and and careful in a way that I just get to lay there and be like I'm not the one being articulate and careful you are right Right, and then you have like their expression maybe it's the same thing with music like you're seeing someone else put their masterwork together oh yeah i never thought about that yeah so you're appreciating it's about gratitude right yeah that's interesting no I, i now that i think about it i'm probably you know appreciating people's music just because of i enjoy their mastery and all yeah. of that and is that why that you started getting to that tattoo yeah part <laughs> like, of it it's um i mean to speak earlier to the whole thing about legends uh i love the idea that there are some things that are permanent i'm mm. st- one of the things i'm sorting out in life right now is this idea that not everything is permanent which yes. is why um it's why art is not as 
serious doesn't have as much gravity as i think it does for other people because in my mind i'm like they're files my computer can corrupt anytime and i'm like the cloud could break or something like yeah. anything could happen and everything i've produced in the past 10 years could be gone and so mm -hmm. the point is like the experience the temporality and the connection that comes out of it not necessarily the product mm. um the tattoos though i think it's something that's like it's permanent for right now and it's art and it's you're like committing to a thing that yeah i mean i don't know it's it's like some things are dynamic and some things are static. And I like the play between the two of those. Yeah. And actually, you were saying earlier, when you get the tattoo, you're you're interacting with the mm -hmm. tattoo artists and all of that. And every time you see that tattoo, you'll probably remember that experience. Right. So it's, it's, it's also the experience that's coming out of that product. Right. So that's yeah. really cool. And there's like a vul vulnerability too. I mean, both from you sitting there and being like, I'm trying not to cry, but it really... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've never gotten a tattoo, so I don't know, but I, I heard it, it hurts. Sure, but also, but also like a vulnerability from the, tat the tattoo artist because they're literally now locked in a space with you for hours at a time and yeah, you're just yeah. like connecting with them or not connecting with them. It's, sure. it's interesting being in a space where you're accepting the service from someone else and then also trying to like connect with them and like live in their world with them i, th I don't yeah. know i think that's what art is really just all about and going to concerts and feeling that way about other people that are going to the concert with you or who's, mm -hmm. whoever's playing there's just so many ways of being interactive and engaged which yeah. is why it bothers me so much when you're like slightly disconnected by being on the phone or being you mm -hmm. know there's so many ways for your attention to be split yeah and i think there's something so nice about honoring like a focus mm -hmm. that it takes practice yeah and now that i think about like my videos i can probably look back at every single video that i made mm. and remember the connections i've made with the people i've worked with right or the people i've just met like during the process so like um i recently did a video for um, a group of djs that performed at 1015 Folsom. Mm. i don't know if you've been there yeah um and like because i i knew some of the djs but i met the other ones that were playing mm. i met them that day and i met just you know some of their friends and it was just like wow these people are so cool like we have that connection this video is a reminder to me that like yeah i just met so many cool people right all in one night yeah so yeah the, the journey is definitely fun and i think that's hard sometimes to show in a video but for me it's like I, it's really cool that i i can just remember yeah remember that and have that as a great memory yeah there's something so nice about the video too because i'm sure you have just like hours of footage where yeah. you're like so many intimate moments with people and yeah. i think there is somewhat to a lesser extent in photography you're trying to get those moments but in mm -hmm. in video there's like a continuous feed of yes. someone like being um truthful with you yeah yeah i i mean that's kind of why i like video because i can capture um a lot more raw moments and like um it, it's just I don't know. Like, I, I really like that about video. And, and I think it's a little bit easier for a videographer to mm. capture these moments versus a photographer. And we were talking about this a little sure. bit earlier. Like, photography, you're trying to capture a moment and you're trying to tell a story in one frame. Mm -hmm. But for video, at least for me, I see it as, like, I can tell a story by capturing so, you know, a lot, ton of moments all at once, right? right? Yeah. Like, continuously. Yeah. And, and potentially, I won't have to miss a beat 
Yeah, right. Yeah, so you can catch those even lo- those little moments that you weren't expecting. Yeah, and use that in the video, and I love that. That has been some of my most frustrating moments in in like shooting a studio with a subject of mm-hmm. being like, wait, I needed that. I, yes, I saw that expression flit across your face, right, and right. I barely missed it. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely like. I've taken photos before and sometimes people have that like funny pose or something like that and they can't yeah. reenact it. Right. I know. It's like, oh no, that I missed organic it. Moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's why photography I think is a lot more difficult. And I, and I commend people for going to that space and mm. trying to do their best to tell a story with one frame. Right. Well, that's the one thing that I think is very lovely about these digital composites I've been doing. It's mm-hmm. not just one frame. My favorite thing is, so I, I just did a shoot um, recently. It was one of the most like precious shoots that I feel like I've done so far with mm-hmm. a subject. Um, so I was shooting my coworker's daughter, and she's a nine-year-old, mm-hmm. um, which also meant I was tremendously afraid of her because nine-year-olds are capable of saying some mean things to you, right? Sure, <laughs> so, sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, they have no filter. Right, so I was like, I'm cool, I'm cool. I can yeah. be cool about this. So I was shooting her, and... Um, She's been experiencing some things in life that have been pretty hard lately. And so she's been having a tougher time. And um, part of what I wanted to do with shooting her is be like, there's strength in being a woman. You can be super cool. You can be a badass. You can be Mm -hmm. like, you can nickname yourself. You can make your own legend. You can be powerful, right? Right. And so I set rules for her where while she was in my studio, I told her, you can pick a nickname. You just have to call me Finn. I'll call you whatever you want me to call you. So Mm -hmm. she vacillated between... She wanted to be called Hawk, and then she wanted to be called Stitch. And she had all these nicknames. I was like, I'll call you whatever you want. Right. And um, so I spent an hour with her in the studio. And like I said, it's multiple frames. It's multiple poses. It's it's all these different things. But my favorite part was that at the end, the product I got to give her was like a stitch together of different expressions. So I ended up getting giving one to her that's just like, in my mind, it looked like she looked cool like mm-hmm. powerful right and then okay. on top of that i got to um i had costumed her a little bit but from what she talked to me she wanted to look like a superhero she likes stranger things she likes 11 11's character and right, she has right. kind of a mohawk you know so in the end i got to i photoshopped like this mad max pair of goggles on her and these i photoshopped in these um like a quiver of arrows and and like these cool driver gloves and and in the end I got to give her something that made it look like she was on the cover of like a DC comic, you know? Right, right. And so I did I admit that it's a little bit illustrative. I wouldn't say cheating, but it's illustrative because I'm not just shooting one moment. It's like mm-hmm. putting together all these things to make a little a tiny little moment of a dream for her, you know? And it was so I like it actually felt like I had a purpose in shooting this person aside right. from just trying to like give something that's beautiful in the end. Mm-hmm. She couldn't stop hugging me at the end of it. She yeah. was like, Finn, that was so cool. And I was like, I mean, Ollie slash stitch slash Hawk. That was so cool <laughs> for me too. I, yeah. I mean, so I feel like that new studio space and having that sort of dream to stitch together all these different moments and make mm-hmm. something that like, I see you this way. You could be this thing is something that gives me a lot of excitement for giving people courage. Yeah, I, I would actually ju- I would actually say that those are just pieces of a puzzle that you're creating for you know an amazing artwork yeah. and based on your vision and based on what you know you're trying to portray in that artwork. Yeah, like 
that's not a bad thing and and i wouldn't say people shouldn't say that's cheating yep if they do i don't, I don't think they're being fair <laughs> i gotta tell you i dated someone a long time ago who was my first experience of someone who used photoshop yeah and i just hated on him all the time and i was like the only way to be a real photographer is to get that one shot and this mm -hmm. is not this is cheating mm -hmm. and so sorry kevin um the kevin i dated years and years <laughs> ago i was wrong i love yeah. photoshop it's amazing yeah yeah <laughs> i i actually was thinking like that when i was doing videos because like you know we have effects we mm. have um you know transitions and all of that and yeah. i used to think like oh too too many of that is like too much sure but even as of today, like it's still not my style, but I'm starting to appreciate it more because a lot of people have a lot of thought into where this transition yeah. is, what kind of effects that they put. And um, when I was talking to um, one of my friends, he, um, there's this videographer I saw, he was doing this video for uh, like a club, mm -hmm. like just a recap of the event. And what the coordinator of that event wanted to kind of portray was like, this is like a spaceship. This is like you're in space and yeah. it's Star Wars theme and all that. So he added a lot of effects and all, all of that. And then I was like, okay, I get it. Like they're, they're trying to just create this message yeah. and like create a theme around it. And yeah. that's how he did it, you know? So, so I, I'm trying to be more open-minded about stuff like that where yeah. it's like, okay, they're, being more intentional mm -hmm. they're being intentional about what they're adding to the video it's not just throwing everything in there right. and just like it's the massive chaos like yeah. people are being intentional about the chaos yeah in any sense on top of that i think there's something nice about campiness like there there's just so much like kitschy stuff that i've accepted in my life as being like really cool anyways like big trouble in little china is one of my favorite old movies and it's just like the most tacky movie you've ever seen in your life like, i never heard of that was that it's like um you probably shouldn't want it watch it okay. it's terrible but like tarantino movies are all mm. like kitschy campy that's and true that's true it's just like there's something about those that anybody could look at and roll their eyes and be like this is so overproduced this mm -hmm. is just like a nonsense movie or whatever mm -hmm. but it's someone expressing like look at this gore i mean for this like in kill bill i mean for this to be fountains right, right. of blood it's not meant to be like photorealistic or anything so right, right i think it's it's taken some time to accept things that are exaggerated but then mm -hmm. once you do you have like such an open universe to be like, hmm, I can use space effects if I want. My yeah, videos, yeah. You know? it's, it's as inspiration. Yeah. Like you can use it as inspiration. Yeah, exactly. For sure. So the studio seems to be helping you be more creative. Like how, when did you decide that you had to have a studio and then how did you set it up so that it helped with whatever you needed? Yeah, I feel like I'm a bit of a lucky gem about that because I, it didn't even occur to me to have a studio. I was like oh. making my own photo studio in my tiny apartment mm -hmm. and I would like hang things up and try to standardize the light, but like- th th This right here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm trying to standardize it and sometimes it's just off. Like sometimes it's daylight, so exactly. beams of light come from right. the sun. And you're like, maybe that's beautiful. Maybe people understand it. There's like lint on my backdrop, you know? Oh yeah, yeah. And like my cat will jump through stuff. And so it was just chaos, but I was like, I don't I'm just practicing, you know, like sometimes yeah. in my life, I sort of think if you have less than the best, you make more creative solutions to getting oh, to something yeah. that's beautiful. So for like, sure. I've, I've lived in that for a long time. However, my neighbor, who's an incredible oil painter, and that's her full-time profession, and she's just 
like so meticulous about it. Um, so she needs actual physical space that's consistent. She's always had an art studio. And every mm-hmm. time she talks about it, I'm like, man, that's such a cool thing. Yeah. So five months ago, Jimena came to me um, and she goes, what do you think about splitting an art studio? And I was like, me? What? It was just like, just unheard of in my Mm -hmm. life to do that and suddenly it just germinated and over like the course of i think you could ask her probably 24 hours i was like yeah we gotta do that okay so i went to see the space and it's just ideal like having something that it's set up you don't have to take things down right you walk in with a vision and your vision doesn't wilt because you are ready to shoot it and like and your space is just already kind of there and all you have to do is tweak adjustments and start shooting. Mm-hmm. It's it's really changed my ability to make things consistent and sharp and professional. And it's just been such an amazing change in the experience. Yeah, I actually um, also heard that like when you have a home studio versus, you know, a studio outside of your home, your your mindset actually changes because when you're home and it's both a home and a studio yeah. you might not have that focused mindset and that sometimes that happens to me where if it's like at a studio you're like okay when i'm at a studio i'm working when i'm at home i'm home right yeah yeah there's something about like respecting the space it's like a yeah. sacred space you walk in and you're like this is not the place where i sleep this is uh-huh. the place only where i make things so yeah yeah for sure i think that's that's changed things a lot too you kind of walk in and there's just like an energy in the studio and sharing it with someone who's like a brilliant artist yeah. she's just so kind too like she'll stalk it and i'll walk in and be like oh i'm a little hungry and she's like i got new macadamia nuts <laughs> and there's so nice. yeah she's just so like involved and kind and and creative and so having that energy too it just is recentering and she's my neighbor too so at the end of the night sometimes we'll just go back and have a drink at one of our places it's just kind of a celebration yeah it's nice nice to have work with someone even if it's not on the exact same project just being with someone that is revolved around the same area so art for you guys yeah um you know you guys can riff off ideas you just have that mindset you can support each other and all of that it's it's really cool it's lovely uh she also paints a lot of macabre so it's like um skulls and i mean clearly kind of the things that i shoot also so we literally have a rotation of skulls in our studio it's like she's got the fox skull and i've got the bobcat skull and the human Mm -hmm. skull and we'll like literally be like hey can i borrow that and we're like yeah no problem and just like walk over with it like pass it off to the other person that's nice yeah we've just got all manner of she has a similar vibe to that i do so we've got all manner of just like creepy crawlies in our studio yeah i have videographer friends and sometimes i need to borrow gear from Mm -hmm. them or they need to borrow gear from me and we're just cool we're just like okay feel free to borrow it i need to borrow it for a weekend i'll return it they're not charging me or anything like that yeah and it's really created the sense of community right like a lot of my episodes they really talk about community and how that's helped them grow to where they are now yeah and like you help each other grow it's not a competition right you know like you know even if you had another artist that's in a similar space as you doing photography um doing composite photography like you guys are should be helping each other out you shouldn't be like oh i'm gonna screw you know screw up your your photos or like delete all your files you know it's like we're, I don't know. I I've heard I've heard in like some colleges. I won't name any, but they mess with people's lab, you know, lab assignments or something like that. It is so morally reprehensible. I can't yeah. even begin to imagine. That's crazy. Yeah, and and people are just very competitive. Yeah, and so 
you shouldn't like you, you should be supporting each other because there's enough space for everyone to reach right. the top. So I've been experiencing that with the studio. And again, it is brand new. So it's like just starting to like get my bearings and make a style. But um, another one of the things about like putting out art that I really love is that people respond to it. So like mm-hmm. there are people that have real time like, oh my God, what is this? Or like, ah, how did you do that? And sure. so a number of people have reached out and been like, can you explain to me how this happens? Yeah, yeah. And instead of being like, no, it's my closely guarded secret, like mm-hmm. just for me, you know? Um, I actually get to sort of be like, yeah, pop on into the studio, come like second shoot with me. I'm not competitive about it. Like you're welcome to shoot even like the things that I'm shooting too. Mm -hmm. And like, I would love for you to learn. I would love for you to spend your time making art. I would love for you to like, so as time goes on, I have photographer friends who haven't shot in, in like a decade. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. no, just come use my setup. Bring whatever you want. And so it's interesting and validating to see that um, some of my friends are just kind of like reigniting and just being like, oh, that's so cool. I would love to do that too. Yeah. And maybe it's ego, but I'm like, I get to be part of that, of them feeling more excited about those things. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, I don't know. It's like giving me an avenue to be more connected to not only other friends, but other like friends who are potential artists. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of people, I mean, we shouldn't use gear as an excuse not to be able to do yeah. what we want to do. But some people who need a dedicated space to do their studio photography or something might not have the opportunity. Right. And offering that is definitely a great, you know, a great way to connect with people. Yeah. And in my previous episode, um, there's these music producer duos. Um, they have like a studio that has a ton of gear and they have like tape their tables like filled with like equipment Mm -hmm. and they let they let other djs come in to practice for certain sets that they're going to have in the near future so and they don't charge anything so um that's really nice you know and i i feel like we need more people that offer opportunities for other people who might not have the chance to do what they want to do yeah because of a sort of limitation yeah yeah i think that's like the most like valorous form of a community yeah i mean sometimes it's scary because you're like well this equipment is like i've accrued it over the years but, yeah yeah and it's expensive and right all that but. totally but the thing is even if you had someone come in and like you have portrait mode on your iphone and you're like come in and use the beautiful lighting and yeah. shoot with your iphone you're making more art than you were 20 minutes ago so you sure. may as well just do that too yeah yeah it helped them enhance what they want to do right so, yeah that's cool yeah this is great. I really see that you're very passionate about art. So yeah. it's, it's great to see that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I think one thing that I really like is that you're you're still trying to be present outside of your art. Mm-hmm. And that's that's something that, again, I was saying, like, I'm having a hard time doing right now, especially right. trying to release every week and trying to make sure that I'm on track with my deadlines. Yeah. It's really hard. So I, I've learned a lot from this conversation. So I'm happy great. to share. Yeah. Um, So I'm just going to go to Instagram uh, questions. I have a few. Um, And uh, we'll start with Sincerely Sunshine Cat. Um, Describe your brain space in one sentence. Is there explanation on that? Um, Well, I can tell you how I interpreted it. So when you think of art, like where does where does everything connect? Like how how do you think of your artwork? You said medieval, Mm -hmm. you know, like mythology is something that you use as a foundation or inspiration. Yeah. But like, how do you connect 
things to create whatever artwork you have because you you do a lot of different things mm -hmm. and sometimes they seem really out there mm -hmm. so yeah i mean i'm not saying that's a bad <laughs> yeah. thing but. yeah um hmm that's interesting is it or is it like there's there's no consistency it seems to be there, a free form there actually is and it, and uh man uh it's it's actually a phrase that my brother used my oldest brother i think probably when i was in high school and it has stuck with me since then and i can never get rid of it mm -hmm. <laughs> and it sounds so simple so he, he at some point wrote somewhere a loveless world is a dead world okay and like at first i was like that's a nothing phrase and the more i thought about it the more i was like oh interesting love is like kind of a north star that i use for reading and for writing and mm -hmm. for making things and for exploring and for relationships and for friends and for dating and like as, as it just snowballs love is not just like a romantic thing yeah and it's like the one thing that humans through medieval history through psychology through all forms of like academic study like in my mind love is kind of the thing that's like titrated and love and hate and everything in between mm -hmm. and so for me trying to frame it positively like loveless world is a dead world then i'm like constantly chasing being passionate being involved and being present okay interesting cool um so next question is from karina graham <laughs> what do you want your audience to experience through your art mm. uh expansivity and magic and legends and like a feeling that you don't know what the fuck is happening next and you're like mm -hmm. i kind of don't know what's happening now but it's like something that i i feel like it's inspiring or odd or or just is delightful to look mm -hmm. at for a moment so there's another phrase i don't know where this one is from it's surprise and delight that's just like ah that's an odd thing that popped up in my feed from exofin like that's right, kind right. of what i love most who knows why that happened but it's uh -huh. kind of cool yeah and I, I think um, it's, it's great to, it, maybe if you see it in person or maybe if someone comments on it, they're like, oh, I've never seen this before or mm. something. And it's like, it, it must it must be nice to hear that. Yeah, it's lovely. Um, one of the, my biggest, like, the thing that I'm battling against all the time is plagiarism. All the time. I, oh. I think, like, to, it's, to, mm, to fill a creative space with someone else is something that's interesting to work collaboratively. Mm -hmm. But I think there's just so much potential for biting and it's like <laughs> i think it's like m so honorable to try to make your own voice and to say something that hasn't been said before or say something that's if it has been said before it's particular to you in this particular time in this particular life like i think i try my best not to be influenced in the way that i'm using other people's sources and instead just putting this like bright light of i don't know why this is happening but this is what i need to say mm -hmm. so i think there's a certain uniqueness to that okay and if you if you i guess look really deep into like the people that inspired you who would you say inspires inspires your artwork if you have any mm. Because so the the reason I ask is because like when I do my videos, yeah, no matter you know the certain way I do my videos, I just love it. Yeah. I, I love the simplicity of it, and like maybe I'll do a few interesting transitions, but in the end, like they're more cinematic looks. Yeah, and if I look deep into like who did I 
who who were um which videographer was i inspired by yeah like i can probably point them out sure so that's why i was asking like oh you know even though you're trying to be as unique as possible is there someone that really inspired you to do this kind of art in any way yeah i think a lot of it is like old um and it's not like a particular artist it's like which probably should be but it's like old tintypes old tintype photography where it's basically like that that like developing plate in a different form and you have just so much like clarity and contrast in a face Mm -hmm. and so much like it kind of looks like they're a bit of a ghost or you can see their ghost in their eyes or something like that every time i see those they're just like I'm like mesmerized by those. Okay. And then a lot of the illustrated manuscripts, a lot of the old illustrations from like, again, medieval history and, and those ones are just so complex and beautiful. I would say those. Cool. Yeah. I I like that. Uh, okay. So the next question is from Tifo. (laughs) Um, your ex roommate, apparently who is your favorite roommate of all time (laughs) from P bear and Sanyo? Oh my gosh. Oh, she knows. She knows that this is like an impossible answer for me. Okay. Um, I think Tifo is actually probably my favorite roommate of those choices. Oh, okay. <laughs> Shout out Tifo. She, she just said you're her favorite roommate. <laughs> it's actually Pooh Bear. I love you, Pooh Bear. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure there's a backstory that I don't know if we can get into. But, um, yeah, she, she definitely was in- excited to to ask that question oh yeah so yeah that's those are all the instagram questions i had nice um thank you for your time i really appreciate our talk like it's it's amazing um for the people who want to follow you on social media or you know your artwork or anything where should they go um so my instagram is kind of my ongoing feed of things Mm. um it's exofin um and then i also have exofin.com which is my my store and photography is just kind of an aggregate of everything and upcoming events but i would say the insta okay cool thank you for your time of course thank you too really appreciate it thanks